up, ladies and gents? We're ready to rock this thing today. Talking franchises, the ultimate scaling type of strategy. And we're going to talk about that today. So here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Here we go. <laughs> Here we Bam, go. Drop some heat. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, drop a review, help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros pod all right everybody we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the business bros pod have you ever wondered if you have what it takes to successfully run a franchise our guest today can not only help you determine if you can but help you and guide you along the way now our guest isn't perfect in fact he failed in a franchise but what is failure if not life's greatest teacher Today, our guest is a nationally recognized certified franchise expert, best-selling author, and top-rated podcast host. His mission is to help people harvest their passion for the betterment of the world, and he inspires people to surf on the edge of their comfort zone, choosing uncertainty over happiness. Over the past 15 years, our guest has helped more than 1,500 people navigate franchise ownership, and if operating a franchise is something you're interested in, he can help you too. Joining us today out of Venice, Florida, from the Franchise Academy and host of the Franchise Academy podcast, welcome to the show, Tom Scarda. <laughs> Boom! There it is, Tom. I just felt like... Brought my guns. <laughs> right? I, left, I, I was like, should I leave the heat on? Should I leave the heat on? I will for a little while, but oh, no, there you go. James, take it <laughs> oh, off. Sorry, sorry. All right. No, no worries. No worries. All right. Uh, Tom, <laughs> let's let's jump into this thing, man. So uh, you've talked, you, you've helped 1,500 people get into the franchise space. You have your own podcast. This is going to be a fun episode, dude. Tell me, you know, how did I want to know about that failure? Everybody talks about their successes. It's very difficult to talk about that failure. I'm assuming that is the thing that kind of catapulted you into what you're doing now right? Yep. Sure is. Absolutely. You know, I, I guess I got to start really, really quickly in the beginning. I used to be a subway conductor in New York and closing doors. And, um, one day an old timer said to me, Hey, this great job because you'll always have a shirt on your back. He said, it'll never be a silk shirt, but at least you'll have a shirt. And I was like, bam, that's like mediocrity, man. And I want to do so much more. And when I looked around, I realized that business owners were wearing that metaphorical silk shirt not really, you know, government workers. So mm. I wanted to make a change. I bought a smoothie franchise, built it into three locations, and in just five years, sold the whole kit and caboodle, semi-retired at 41 years old. And so I was cocky. I was like, man, I could do this. I'm awesome. I bought a second franchise, just kind of sight unseen, jumped into this concept, and it was great. And it was something called Super Suppers, where you make meals in our place, take them home, freeze them 
On days when you're busy, you throw it in the oven, you have a home-cooked meal in 20 or 30 minutes, all done. And it was, it was great at the beginning, but then people stopped coming. And mm. in about two years, we were out of business and lost almost our entire life savings on that franchise. Oh, it's worse. It's so much worse. I want to know about that that feeling. And 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 here's here's the to me, this is the point. This is the pinnacle point, the pivoting point, right? At that point, you could have like just said, dude, I took it on the jaw here. Uh, you know, I got really knocked down. I'm not gonna do that again. I'm not as good as I was. You know, I I was better off with that cotton shirt and not going after that silk shirt. I was chilling. Maybe I, I ignored my destiny once. Right. And that's the that's the key right there. Maybe I should go back. Maybe I should just, you know, scale back what I'm doing. Go get that average job. Be that average person. What's wrong with being average? But you didn't stick there. What happened? Well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with just, you know, being, you know, I'm not going to call it average, but just making a living, paying the bills, you know, supporting the family. That's all cool. And, and, and that's great for a lot of people. But I had an entrepreneurial spirit. I really wanted to do something bigger. I, I wanted to, you know, really have an impact. And I realized, you know, first when, when the business failed, I was crying. Let's, let's be honest. I, I was devastated. But I climbed out of the hole and I, and I realized I, mean, I got something that I can teach people now. And, and if you think about any great story, any great movie that you ever saw, you know, think about Rocky, man. You're on the mat. You're getting your ass kicked. I mean, he gets up, you know, and he's staggering and he throws a punch. I mean, that you got to come back. It's all in the comeback. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I felt, man. I had to do the comeback. I wrote a book about it called Franchise Savvy, became a number one bestseller on Amazon. My second grade teacher said I couldn't write English. And here I am, a bestselling author. So, you know, anything's possible. If I could do it, man, anybody could do it. Oh, dude, Kiyosaki says it best in his book. He's like, there's a difference between being a good author and being a top-selling author. Completely different things, right? right. Uh, and, and you know, I, I want to parallel when I when we had our first business, we went, I, I went broke, like it was it was over. I, I I know the feeling of where where you're at, rock bottom. If you um, consider failure experience. And it was the greatest experience. Like this is this is where my education began, right? And I wow. remember at that point enrolling in tax school because I wanted to know who the hell Uncle Sam was and why was he taking all this money from me? Because I had never done anything like that before, right? Ah, right. And so I, you know, until to this day, now I have a tax practice that was back in you know 2005, 2006. I have a tax practice today that continues to grow whether I talk about it or not. And I became an expert in this field because I wanted to learn and become better. So when you hit that bottom where you were you down and out, you know, when, when you know, it's not how hard you hit it's how, how many times you get back up when you're ready to get back up. What, why back into the franchise? You could have gone into any other industry. Why the franchise? You know, cause the franchise is the fast track to the American dream, which everybody really wants, right? Freedom, time and money together is really what makes success. They say that you can't buy time, but with the right business, you can. And I realized in franchising, the systems are there. The problem and, and the initial problem that I, or the, the mistake I made was not thinking about the long-term repercussions of my day-to-day -day in that second operation that I owned, the one that failed. I didn't realize that it was going to be all nights and weekends, but that's when people could come to my place and make meals. They're working during the day. So, you know, that kind of sucked. 
Um, I got into an industry that didn't exist before. That was a kind of silly mistake. You don't want to start something new. You, you want to grab something. Like if you think about McDonald's, they did not invent hamburgers. Amco Transmission did not invent transmissions. Planet Fitness did not invent gyms and working out. They just systematized it and rolled it out. So you need a really good business that's just basic and not, you know, highfalutin, you know, next cutting edge thing. It's funny you say that. I've been interviewing a few people who are in the Facebook uh, fulfillment. Uh, I'm sorry, Facebook. Amazon uh, Fulfillment by Amazon. It was the F that was throwing, throwing me off, right? Fulfillment by Amazon. And everybody's trying to build these stores, these online stores. Some right. people have developed the systems, the processes, everything that is necessary to take a product from, from you know, nobody knows what it is or people know what it is and you kind of design it yourself to now you're selling thousands or whatever it is per month or per week or whatever the, the value is. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into developing developing these systems and processes to make it work. Are you of the mindset of I should develop something and create a franchise or are you more along the lines of there's existing franchises you can go into right now. You should go into something that's already created. Well, I think that if it's your first foray into, you got to, let me back up a second. Franchising is not entrepreneurship. Franchising is business ownership. Entrepreneurship is when you got that idea, you got that product, that thing, that service that you want to develop and, and you know make it national or global. It's a little bit different. What you're doing here is plugging in to a blueprint. It, it's already done. And then you could scale it any way you want. You could have multiple units. You can own 100 different franchises or 100 units of the same franchise, whatever you want to do. The nice thing about it is that a franchise is like hands-on MBA. You're going to learn business inside and out. After you do that, maybe you sell your business or you hand it down to your kids or whatever, and then you can actually do, do something on your own. And I, and I did that. I went off and I, and I started three other businesses that weren't franchised because of the knowledge that I garnered through owning a franchise. So is it, you think that's something that we should get into? I hear a lot of stories of like kids that get out of high school. They start working at a Chick-fil-A. They work their way up in that franchise, in that system, and then end up owning a couple restaurants themselves. You think that's kind of a, a pathway that people should go on when they're starting their entrepreneurial path, maybe start in something like that so they get an idea of what these systems are? Yeah, that, that's a great idea, and I give that same advice to a lot of people, especially if you're younger and you're trying to get your money together. I mean, you don't need a lot of money to start, but you do need money in any business to get started. And, and a good franchise company, you know, they, we all know that the number one reason for failure in business is not having enough money. So a great franchise is going to have you sign an affidavit saying that you got this money and that, you know, for the first six months, you may not make a profit. And so are you prepared to pay your bills through another way, money in the bank or what have you? So you so you don't crash the business because that's a blemish on them if if the business fails, right? Mm -hmm. Very very much so. Well, speaking of risk, uh, I've I've always heard and I've never been in this industry, but I've always heard the restaurant industry is a higher risk and much more capital intense at the very beginning versus some of these other franchises that are available. And when I think of franchise, my mind always goes to McDonald's and and that restaurant chains, right? But there's other kinds of franchises that we can get into. It's not they're not all in the food space, right? Nope. You know, great great point. There's four thousand franchise concepts in America. 90 different industries, 89 of those industries have nothing to do with food, which is always top of mind, even for me when I first started. 
So, so uh, when it comes to like deciding on one, is there any like, like maybe you should stick to this kind of franchise versus that kind of franchise, or is it really more geared around the passion that the individual has? Well, you know what? I, I say flush passion down the, down the toilet that, you know, it's a misnomer. They say that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's true. If you're working a job, but a business is not a job, it's a lifestyle. You're creating equity so you can have time to do whatever it is that you want to do in your life. So if you love to golf, do not buy a golf franchise because in six months, you're going to hate golf. Mm. Buy something that is a really good model, will give you time and money so then you can golf to your heart's content on your time. And, and it's just a different experience and a better experience. I remember reading Kiyosaki and he talks about how poor dad uh, at the end of his career goes and tries to get into some franchises and there were well-known franchises. How much does, and, and fails by the way, he fails at it. Uh, right. How, how important is it to get a name like McDonald's or like a Baskin Robbins or like, you know, or, or, you know, some sort of chain that exists versus, you know, maybe something that is up and coming type franchise you know, does the operator make a huge difference or does the brand really make the difference? The operator makes the difference. The brand is not that big of a deal. So the, the interesting thing is if you're, if it's already a household name, that ship has already sailed. You, you miss that boat. So the good real estate is gone. You're going to be in a B or C location. You're not going to make as much money as you would if you're in an A. So what I help people do is kind of like, uh, picking a stock before it goes public. And so I got my finger on, on, or the, on the pulse of what's hot in franchising and, and the good companies that are up and coming. So they might have 50 units in the Midwest and you want to open up something in San Diego, you know, that company's now going to expand to the West Coast. You could be the first guy on the West Coast with all that power behind it and then build it and, and, it, you, know, and you own the market. That's the mm -hmm. way to do it, actually. So what about this post-COVID world then? Like, like now you got me thinking. There's a lot of things that have that have dropped off just because that's what the nature of the beast, right? When we're not able to go out, those types of things disappeared. But there's a lot of companies that came up, right? Yeah. Where this actually benefited them. What kind of stuff do you see out there right now that's that might be something that people can kind of do some research on or dip their toe into? Well, you know, it's a great point that you make, and and it's and it's so true. Some things that you never thought about before all of a sudden are kicking butt because of COVID. And, um, and, and it's hard for me to just say, hey, you know, check out these kind of industries. I, you know, usually what I do is I interview the person. So it's kind of like if, if you were interviewing me and I was a doctor and I was like, well, you know, the best drugs on the market are these things. So you should take that. But I don't know what your ailment is. So I, I like to talk to people so I can understand really what their goals are, where they want to get to, how, they, how much they need to make. Um, the part of the country that they live in actually makes a big difference. But, you know, to answer your question, look for things that are low investments, things that have very high margins. So typically people don't realize this. There's a lot of great franchises that don't require a store at all. And it's, you know, it's a home-based business or it could be out of an office or a warehouse. Um, almost anything that like touches the home, there's a franchise for it. So if you think about kind of your day, um, it's really a good way to think about the franchises that are available. You wake up in the morning and, and you, you, know, you, use your, you, you brush your teeth. Well, the places where you buy toothpaste, you know, that's a franchise, 7-Eleven. 
if you um and then you you get out and you go get a cup of coffee that's a franchise you go to the gym that's a franchise then you say hey i'm gonna meet my buddies for lunch that's a franchise then you're like hey i gotta get my car fixed that's a franchise but on the way to get my car fixed i'm gonna drop off my dog to get my dog groomed that's a franchise then you know and so it goes on and on all day long as everything could be a possible franchise and and so i help people define really what their skill set is what their goals are and then i match companies to them instead of saying oh man i really love donuts and and i should own a dunkin donuts that's a that's a mistake mm. you know i have i teach a class called financial algebra and uh one year i i did a a uh, build your business type activity and i had i had a couple groups come up with some great ideas one in particular that got me thinking when you said 7-eleven uh a kid was like look man one of my favorite things is when the ice cream truck i don't know if you guys have ice cream trucks in your area but over here there's there are a ton of them he's like i, I love the ice cream trucks but i never know where they are when they're coming and what they have in the truck He's like, do you think it'd be possible to hit up like a 7-Eleven and get like a 7-Eleven branded one where they refill and restock at a particular location and just sell their top products? Things like a slushy, for example, those, you know, those things that we can take with us or their top uh, candy type stuff, you know, and I don't know how, how it works with, with franchises, but it would it be something where you can develop a model and add to an existing franchise? Or would that be something where you have to develop everything from scratch yourself? You know, that kid's idea is brilliant. <laughs> I right? love that idea. <laughs> so um, so say you got into a 7-Eleven um, and, and you want to do kind of what you're saying. Um, and let's call it, I, I don't know, a mobile kiosk. Um, not a food truck, but a 7-Eleven, you know, convenience truck. Yep. And, and, it, and it, you know, on, on Mondays in, it's in the park. On Tuesdays, it's in the shopping mall. On Wednesdays, it's downtown by all the office buildings. And then you can follow that truck on an app and yep. you can look it up and say, this is where it is. And this is what stock he has and on the app. Brilliant. I love that idea. So what you would do is you go to the, the franchise company and they're always looking for insight from their franchise owners. Think about McDonald's to use that as a, a granddaddy experience that everybody knows. They started with eight menu items. Now they have 172, I think it is now. Most of those ideas came from the franchise owners that are kind of doing business. So um, they say, they'll say, okay, let's test this idea. You're, gonna, you're going to um, track it. You're going to you know, take copious notes, do all the numbers, and then you come back to us, report in every month for six months. And then if it works, we'll roll it out um, to the whole country. And, you know, we'll call it uh, the Business Brothers uh, mobile kiosk. And, and you know, and, and so that's that's the way that kind of stuff works. Nice, nice. And, uh, yeah, again, I, I'm one of my favorite movies to watch every year is The Founder. Oh. And what you're describing was exactly what they did with the milkshakes, right? So the, the, the franchise owner came in. They're like, hey, I'm getting killed in my refrigerator fees. I'm getting killed in my milk costs. I found a solution. This can save every operator X amount of dollars. So what, what I heard you describe there was the operator gets permission from the franchise to try something specific in their market, in their test market. And this is why you hear things like Jack in the Box recently had this uh, cluck sandwich that was here. It was here for a little while. I loved it. And then it was gone, right? But I, I'm assuming that's where they're testing markets to see if this is profitable, if this is something that the public wants, if they're, right. if it's if it's even you know manageable, can we do it? And then they can roll it out. Did I hear you correctly? That, that's exactly it. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes 
it gets screwed up. You know, when in my franchise that failed, um, one thing that they were pushing is going back, you know, 2006 was fish tacos, which I love dearly. But prior to 2006 and that experience, I had no idea what a fish taco was in New York where I was based. We didn't have fish tacos. It was a California thing. It, mm. it started up in Encinita, if I believe that was the first place I made fish tacos. Um, now it's a common thing. You get them everywhere. TGI Fridays, you know, fish tacos everywhere. But we got stuck with, I can't tell you how many pounds of cod because people in New York did not buy fish tacos in 2006. You were too early to the game, man. That's what happened, Tom. Too early to the game. <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk. I mean, you're, you got a podcast, uh, and, and the way we love to use a podcast is for networking and really just staying in front of people with content as much as possible. It's a great long tail effect for search and helping us, you know, helping people find out who we are, right? Google my name, and I own like six or seven pages of Google search just because of the amount of content that we put out. Right. Um, and, and that's um, a marketing play, essentially. What's it like when you're franchising? And, you know, wh what kind of marketing are we allowed to do, not allowed to do, and how much of it comes from the franchise itself? You know what? That is a really good question. And so things have changed, as you know, dramatically over the past few years. Just 11 years ago, there was no such thing as Facebook. Mm -hmm. so, um, so what was happening at the beginning is people were – putting up stuff on, on Facebook. Um, and, and it was just, you know, looking bad, if misspellings, you know, content that wasn't true. Um, it, it was bad. And then employees started putting stuff up. So now there's heavy duty policies and you, you know, you're not allowed to spam people. You can't, you know, all that stuff is, is all now legal. It's all legalese. So typically in a franchise, they're going to take care of the search engine optimization for your website in your local community. And they're going to handle much of the posting that goes on um, from a branding perspective. Now, if you're running a special in your store, you're allowed to do that, no problem. And you could post about that, uh, but it do, does have to go through an approval process with the franchisor. Mm, yeah, that so that reminds me of things like uh, your local Walmart, for example. If I, I I go online and I search I'm, right now, for example, I'm trying to get my kid an Xbox Series X, and it's impossible to find those things right now. Uh, <laughs> but I could search online, and it might say, "Hey, Walmart has one in stock." But when I dig deep into Walmart, it might be, "Yeah, the Walmart in Wisconsin has one in stock, but not, not here in San Diego." Right? So each individual store, what you're saying is, is you know that that uh, you can do promos and stuff for your store. But oftentimes that promo will live under your zip code, under your place on the franchise website, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's the franchise has one website and then there's as many franchisees, as many units, there are sub websites. Um, so they're interconnected, but they live separately. What about like like yourself or like myself where we're doing a podcast? Maybe it's not technically, you know, I don't have a, a, a franchise of, you know, business bros out there or whatever. But if I'm an operator and, and I want to kind of continue to grow within my business, do I have limits on what I can talk about, what I can't talk about if I was to start my own show? I, so, so you're saying that you own like a McDonald's and you decide, For hey, I'm going to do a podcast about McDonald's or about something. About being a franchise owner or something. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I, I think that you could do kind of whatever you want to do, but like on my like if you're going to come on my podcast, 
you can't talk about numbers. Um, mm. That's a big no-no because what you what many people don't realize is that the the franchise industry is heavily regulated. So we come under the Federal Trade Commission, and we are regulated by the laws of the Securities Exchange Commission, like stockbrokers. So I can't say, "Hey, Johnny, uh, buy this franchise. You're going to make a million dollars." Wink, wink. You know, just do it. Um, that they're we're regulated on how we can actually sell franchises. So um, there's a lot of legal stuff that goes on uh, with the franchise that, that needs to kind of be known. Um, and a lot of franchise owners don't know that kind of stuff. Um, I went through the process of getting what's called a CFE, a certified franchise executive uh, designation. So I know um, that's the only designation that's re recognized in franchising. So I went through two years of training classes um, on, on the legal aspects, all this international franchise law. There's like so much that goes into this stuff. Yeah. But those, those rules, like the FT, the, the federal trade commission or the sec, like all those rules that you're talking, all the legal leads that we're talking about, that's all designed to protect the franchise, the, the franchisee, right? The person who's coming in. I hope you're insured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To ensure that that they're not getting ripped off, that they're not taking people for all their money, that they're exactly. you know essentially accredited, so that they have that uh, that uh, availability of cash right. or liquidity of cash to be right. able to purchase these things. Correct? Yes, absolutely. And so to go just a step further, the franchise is mandated by the Federal Trade Commission to have what's called a franchise disclosure document. So every franchise needs to have that. It's FDD for short. It's 23 different items every franchise has to comment on. And so when you get it, a brand new franchise that doesn't have too much to talk about, it's still like 130 pages thick. So you'll find out the history of the principles of the company, whether there's bankruptcy in their history. You'll know the exact amount of money it costs to open and operate that franchise to the dime. There's no hidden costs. There's no hidden fees. You'll know the, um, the other operators names and contact information. You will call those people. If you're working with me, I give you 39 questions. And if you're listening to, if you want the 39 questions, contact me at thefranchiseacademy.com. Um, you'll call these people and, and ask how it's going. And, and it's the only investment that I know of where you can talk to the end user and find out if it's you know going well, if they're making money. And also in that document, you'll find a list of people that have sold, transferred, or gone out of business in the past three years which is mm. great data to, to have. Yeah, it, it's due diligence, right? I mean, you're diligence, it, it, to, to get into a franchise, it's not some simple little, you know, I'm going to put 500 bucks down and get started. This is, this is you're putting a, a large amount of capital into something. So when you do that, you need to do a little bit of homework. You should actually do a lot of homework. And part yeah. of it is to talk to people who are in that space. I mean, these people are essentially going to be your teammates. You're all going to be on the same team if you decide to buy this particular franchise. So shouldn't you know whether you're going to get along with them or whether you even, you know, you might get on the phone and they're like, dude, when you first start, just be prepared. The next six months, you're going to be there, you know, 80 hours a week and, and it's going to be tough and you're not going to see a profit margin for the first, whatever, you know, whatever their horror stories for the beginning, because at the beginning, everything's tough. Uh, and, and that might not necessarily scare you, but put you in the right mindset to understand what's coming. Yeah. No, amen to that. You're exactly right. And, and it's really the only thing that you can do. I mean, uh, in, in an investment scenario, like if you're investing in, you know, various stocks, you can't call up the person that the other people that bought the stocks and say, hey, how's it going? Did you make a margin this month? You know, but in franchising, you can. And, and we encourage you to do it. 
So that's why it's, it's important to not just kind of go out on your own to buy a franchise, but it's good. It's important to talk to a franchise consultant like me. If you don't like me, cause you know, I got my Brooklyn accent going on. That's cool. <laughs> There's other people out there that, that can help you as well. What you talking about, man? That Brooklyn accent, that means you're going to just tell it like it is. That's what we expect when I hear the, like when I hear New York or Brooklyn or a Boston accent, I'm, I'm thinking they're just going to tell, they're straight shooters. Like they're just going to tell you, you might not like it, but it's the truth, right? The truth. Hey, James, drop that truth, uh, drop that truth clip because that's exactly how I think uh, of, of your accent. Yeah. Where is it? Where is it? He's he missing it. Missing it. Oh, he missed yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like truth clip. What, which one? Yeah. The the oh, only other uh, truth clip. You can't handle the truth. Right? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. what you know, I you're, you're over here talking about it, and 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 I'm thinking of uh, all the people that I've met from Boston. Bunch of mass holes. <laughs> we love you guys we love you guys yeah, it's actually yeah lots of love lots of love yeah it's actually one of my favorite accents like i just want to hear him say quarter all the time <laughs> all right tom uh let's make sure people are are aware of you know how can they get a hold of you you gave us so much uh, valuable information today on on just you know the the nitty-gritties of getting started here like you know the truth about what it's like to be in this franchise game so if people do want to work with your boston accent how do they get a hold of you yeah, so it's um it's real easy. It's just the website, uh, thefranchiseacademy.com, which is also my name, tomscarta.com. Uh, it all goes to the same place. And on there, my books are there. I got free downloads. You could download a 33-page guidebook on how to buy a franchise. Um, my podcast, The Franchise Academy, link through there if you want, but it's on every platform uh, available where, fran- where podcasts are listened to. Uh, and I just dropped literally last week uh, a master class on how to buy a franchise, the A to Z, everything you need to know, and you could do it without me, right? If everything I know is on that course. So um, that's available actually for purchase on my website, thefranchiseacademy.com. Perfect. And I said Boston, but I meant Brooklyn accent. My bad. My bad. Forget about it, you know? Forget about it. All right, (laughs) ladies and gents, you heard it here first, man. Look, here's the deal. If you want to get into business, there's a lot of ways you can do it. My own personal opinion is step foot in there. Go get a job at the place that you want to work in or volunteer your time. Step in there and test it out. Call franchise owners that if you're thinking about getting into this space, find out what it's really like. Get expert advice from people like Tom so that you know what you're getting into before you get into it because that's really what it comes down to. Don't go and put huge down payments on things uh, just because you feel like maybe it sounds like something you might do. Do a little bit of homework, get the information you need, and then you'll be stepping in the right direction, confident and ready to go. All right, Tom. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with me, man. I appreciate it. And uh, if you do take off on that 7-Eleven deal, let me know. Yeah, that's an awesome thing. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Great podcast and uh, some great content out there. So I appreciate everything you guys are doing. Thanks, Tom. All right, ladies and gents. We'll see you guys again. Manana. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.